like watching movies, ones we've never seen. So we made a podcast to help pass quarantine. We'll watch any genre and have ones till the end. So listen to our podcast to tell all of your friends. too much way too much hello everybody and welcome to another episode of your favorite podcast we've never seen it uh, my name is Artie. i'm joined by louie over yonder and i am louie how's it going over there uh it's going pretty well i am very excited Artie, because i know this one we were really excited for it mm-hmm. is the unbearable weight of massive talent yeah massive talent and um yeah, hopefully that that ends up being accurate. Maybe you can give us a little background, Louie, a little, little color commentary. Yeah, so I know very little about this movie mm. other than the fact that it stars Nicolas Cage mm-hmm. as Nicolas Cage. Mm-hmm. So I know that he goes to visit some like millionaire or billionaire mm-hmm. and they get into some crazy shit. That's yeah. at least what I could tell from the trailer. I'm just expecting Nicolas Cage being a psychopath because that's what he does. Nick Cage, the character, what is that character and how much of that is our perception of him should be really interesting. Um, you know, I know this movie's getting a lot of buzz, very strong Rotten Tomato ratings, and I don't know what genre it is. So all very good signs. Um, if, if you're joining us for the first time, thanks for being here. Um, what we're feeling good going into this movie. We're both feeling good. I think so, which is maybe a bad sign. Yeah, it's definitely a bad sign. And, and the one thing I, I, I'm not feeling good about is that last episode um, we uh, announced that we were looking for a new intern and um, we've had one application, but we need at least one more to compare it to. Right. Um, right. Especially for diversity purposes. So thank you to the one gentleman who sent something in. Um, but we need at least one more person to apply so we can really make the best informed decision. So go to anchor.fm slash we've never seen it. Send us a message with your application to be our intern, why you like movies, what type of movies you like, and what would you bring to the podcast? So go do that, and then we'll stop bugging you about it. Let's jump into the movie. Perfect. Okay, so we just watched The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent, and there I go. I said I wouldn't say that title, but uh, you know what? It was a freaking good movie, so I will say the title. I feel like that's like usually, Louis, if you don't like an actor or a character or a movie, you like intentionally don't say the name of it ever. (laughs) It becomes like Voldemort. You're like, I'll be like, oh, it's like Gal Gadot. And you're like, no, I don't care who it is. Like, no, it, no, it's not that, not that person. But this, this is a mouthful. This is a lot of syllables and you said them all. So it yeah. must have been good. Well, it's weird that you bring up Voldemort too, though, because I call him Voldersnatch because why is, why is that? he is the worst bad guy, not worst as in like evil, but least competent bad guy in like any major franchise. Mm. He was foiled by a baby and then foiled by an 11 year old and ultimately foiled by a high schooler. Like dude sucked. I was thinking as you were saying that, like, well, he wasn't defeated by a baby or a little boy or a high schooler so much as by a mother's love. 
but that's still lame too. That's lame. So like, that's, that's an really even worse lame. thing to get beat by <laughs> just because it's not really, you know, I don't know. Yeah, you're right. Which, which guy beat you up? Her. Yeah. She's been <laughs> dead for 20 years. Still. <laughs> yeah. The guy is like transformed into like part snake and um, he has like, an army of dead people. And he can't take out a guy who has a scar and glasses. Like, no. come on. Spoiler alert for anyone who hasn't seen Harry Potter. Vold- yeah. Boulder Snatch doesn't win. So, yeah, but this movie, I mean, my reaction is this was pretty great. And I, I, I don't know. I'd love to I'd love to find flaws because you were having such a great time watching it. And so was I. And I was like, I got to shake this up. But I can't. I mean, this was just an awesome movie. Yeah, I could tell you were uncomfortable because normally I'm the one who's ornery and hates whatever movie we're watching or picks it apart. And I just was giggling like a schoolgirl the whole Mm -hmm. time. I thought it was funny. It was self-aware. It was just such a good, entertaining movie that was also very well done and artistic. So I couldn't find any flaws with it. Yeah, it was kind of like you know, an Ocean's Eleven type movie. This is a very solid B plus A minus movie. People are going to like talk about this movie and it's going to be used as a litmus test in the future as to whether you you know like good movies or not, which I don't even think is the right move because it, it isn't that type of movie, but there's enough to it, you know, on sort of a deeper level to make it interesting and you could think about it while you're watching it. And then there's a lot of just memorable, quotable like funny, outrageous slapstick too. Oh yeah. So yeah, it really does everything. And like for me, it, it's it's one of the better examples of a black comedy that I've seen in film in a long time. Well, do you mean a dark comedy? I feel like black comedy, like that's like Tyler Perry or or Barbershop too, right? Um. Oh, um, it's such a good question, isn't it? Um. Okay, so when I say you know, like a black comedy, I think like Coen brothers, like big Lebowski or, you know, like, I don't know. What's another one. Um, I just Googled it and it says coming to America. That doesn't help. No, it doesn't. That's a, (laughs) Oh, uh, so, but dark comedy. Yeah. It's, (laughs) it's, there's no genre to this movie, right? Like, let's just like, it's one of it's, those like Netflix era. This isn't a comedy. This isn't a drama. It's somewhere in between. It was great. It was it was funny. It's all the matters. yeah. I, I think the dominant uh, the dominant like feeling was funny, right? Um, so that's that's what it is. Yeah, and I think this type of movie is a very safe play for us moving forward. If if we watch like too many movies that we disagree about, then we we should just pick this type of movie out and watch it and um, realign. You know, um, that that's my big takeaway. Did you have any takeaways? My big takeaway is we need to watch Paddington 2. Apparently, oh, that's one of the best yeah. movies ever. Now, that is not a dark comedy, right? That would be, or maybe it is. We have to see it. I think it's probably like a feel-good story, but I haven't mm. seen Paddington 1, so it might be fun to see if we're lost. Yeah, and if anybody's seen it, uh, Paddington 2, that is, let us know. Go to anchor.fm slash we've never seen it. Tell us what you thought. If you've seen Paddington 1, keep that shit to yourself, Okay. I don't care. I'm interested in Paddington too. We don't want to know what hijinks Paddington gets into in the first one. No, that's no, it's irrelevant. Yeah. We just want to know if Paddington two is the greatest movie ever made, which this movie kind of claims it's up there. Right. But I know that there was, there was an elephant in the room 
Mm-hmm. And I know you want some cool sound effects. Um, so yeah. maybe we, maybe yeah, we I'm going to, I'm going to put those. something together. It's going to be sweet. Yeah. So let, let's pause. But in the meantime, I can go like, and I'm going to put like conga things behind it. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's going to be real, real, uh, lo-fi. It's going to be yeah. sweet. in the room though and this is in my mind this is an unanswerable question but it's a burning question is nick cage actually a good actor um, uh wow um eating some dinner here i don't <laughs> that, think this has ever happened that was a that was a mouthful of noodles right there mm, yeah costco makes really good tortellini Ooh. yeah um <laughs> what was your question my question was, is Nick Cage actually a good actor? The answer is yes. Now, you said it was unanswerable. I think that this movie showed me that there's a level of control that he has where if the movie is good enough, he'll be the best thing in it, basically. Right? There are bad movies that are unwatchable and you know, one actor can't make or break a movie, right? There's so many parts to it. You, An actor could give the best performance of his career, but if the camera is like messed up and it's really dark and you can't see him and like the blocking is bad or like the audio is bad or whatever, it doesn't matter, right? But so, so if a movie is so nonsensical or technically poor, then a great acting performance right? It'll come off as campy or it'll get missed entirely or be like, you can't save this. Why was he even in this? Um, (laughs) But this is a a case where like there were a lot of points throughout the movie and we'll get into this where he would just give you glimpses of being a superior actor. Um, But it was never when you would expect it. And it, it would, he was so good. You didn't know how good he was at certain times. For me, the answer is yes, I'm now pro cage. Um, and I think he knows what he's doing and um, he can have my money in the future. So I'm going to push back a little bit, okay. not necessarily on Nick Cage. Can he act or can't he? Is he an actor? Let's find out. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think that a single actor or actress can ruin a movie or oh. make a movie. Um, I think of I'm a big Marvel apologist. Right. Love Marvel. We'll watch everything. Uh, Brie Larson has no place on screen. Right. Um, Captain Marvel was a turd. Not even like a turd wrapped in tinfoil to be prettied up. It was just like a white turd that had been left on the sidewalk to like fester and dry out. And, you yeah. know, that's kind of what she is. She just sucks all of the energy out of every scene she's in. But anyways... Back to this movie. That's fair. Um, (laughs) But now I'm going to pull a Scorsese and say that Marvel movies aren't movies. Like they should be excluded from this type, this exact type of conversation. I enjoy watching them, but they're like, they are like a separate class of media now, I think. 
We'll we'll agree Uh-oh. to disagree on that. I feel like that's a whole big debate because yeah. I would. No, I don't even agree with Martin Scorsese either. I would but. challenge that something like Infinity War is Oscar worthy for how magnificent it was. But yes, many would disagree. But going back to is Nick Cage a good actor? Wait, 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 wait. Actually, one sec. You don't even <laughs> like Oscars though. Like you don't even believe in Oscars. No, because they're so up their own ass, and they will exclude things like Marvel movies or Star Wars or whatever, because they're like, no, that's not artistic. It's like, fuck you. They just weren't up their own assholes. No, Marvel movies and uh, like, they're not going to win best picture, but they also don't have like awards for comp. They need I to think have they awards. Should. They, they should have awards for comedy movies and for blockbuster movies. Um, I, I think that infinity war could have won best picture even if it just not in its own blockbuster class, I think just best picture. It was, it was certainly an achievement. Um, and yeah, <laughs> I think, I think that it spoke for itself when it made $47 billion. True. So Which is pretty awesome. Yeah. But back to the, back to the topic at hand. Which, I know I took us on a little tangent. No, there. I, I, I poked the bear. Sure. <laughs> you any, anytime Marvel comes up, I'm gone. But, yeah. uh, I'm struggling here because Nicolas Cage, he's he works his ass off. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually did a little bit of Googling mm. and between 93 and this year. So essentially 93 lives. is when he became a leading man, right? He mm-hmm. did some stuff before, but I'm not counting that. Mm-hmm. He has averaged over three movies per year. It's a lot. It's wow. A he works really amount. hard. He, <laughs> I like how that's the bar, right? And actors, what? how long does the movie take? Like, at most like three months. Yeah, depending on the movie. Yeah. And probably less than a lot of cases. Probably. So I so, mean like <laughs> maybe it doesn't work that hard, but still but harder for than actor, most actors. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Plus you get a prep like three months of shooting, but you're prepping, you're, you know, getting in character, all that. Oh, and um, I know he spends a lot of time on that. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But uh it it's I'm I'm struggling with volume here. Because mm-hmm. I think that you make that many movies, you're going to have some gems. You're going mm-hmm. to have some turd sandwiches. And I sliced and diced it. And judging by Rotten Tomatoes scores, right, he has almost an equal number of 80% plus movies mm-hmm. to his 20% and below movies, mm-hmm. which was just stunning to me. And I feel like, I'm, I was thinking back on all of the movies I've seen him in, right? And there are some movies where I'm like, oh, yeah, this dude can act. Yeah. And then there are some movies where I'm like, oh, yeah, this dude is just an insane person that they put on camera as a cruel joke. Yeah. Well, you know, maybe that speaks to, I mean, there are a couple of things. One, there was a period where he had to work because, I mean, I think he's been a divorced a bunch of times and he's lost he's like he didn't pay his taxes for a while or something and like clearly had like he buys a lot of stupid shit i think um <laughs> and you know that comes back to bite you it's a real real lesson um don't let all that money go to your head you know all that face-off money but like so, so there's that right he kind of he kind of dug his own grave and was forced to take on a lot of work that he shouldn't have maybe and then by that same token there were a lot of bad movies that were like Oh, let's just throw Nicolas Cage in here and just see how it goes. Like, I think it's it's kind of like how, um, you know, like Mark Wahlberg became like a comedy person for a, a little while. All of a sudden, like he was yeah. funny. So it's like let's just like do that and 
oh, what's Mark Wahlberg doing in this movie? Or like, you know, what's Christopher Walken doing in this movie? And I think that, you know, the, the draw of his name, um, after the great movies that he did make probably caused casting directors to throw things at him that he shouldn't have said yes to. And then he was in a position where he had to say yes. And, um, that's why you get like seven sequels to national treasure. That's, that's fair. And I mean, I do think national treasure is fitting for him because when I think of Nick Cage, I honestly think that National Treasure might have been a documentary about <laughs> Nicolas Cage's obsession with just conspiracies in general. Yeah. I think they may have just filmed him running around DC stealing shit. That yeah. could have just been real. It could and have we been. We didn't I know mean, it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he could. Uh, yeah, um, I'm going to keep an eye on him this November. That's for sure. Um, yeah. I don't but, want him anywhere near any of this stuff. Um, I guess. I'll wrap up my thoughts by saying I agree with you. I think he's a good actor. I think that he can act, but I've seen like the wicker man. Is that what it's called? Yeah. With the bees. Yeah. yeah I've seen the wicker man and just the scene of him going, not the beast, not the like that's scarring because that's not a good performance. And for every good performance I see, I just hear not the bees in the back of my head. Yeah, that's fair. Um, he's always going to be a bit of an outsider, and I hope he's a little more selective with his roles, and I hope uh, eventually you know, his body of work comes to be appreciated because he has made some absolutely amazing movies, and this is one of them. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I yeah, pro Cage, and yep, I think he's a good actor. I think we both agree on that. Um, his judgment is just incredibly flawed. Horrible. This was and we'll talk now about kind of the the whole meta nature of this movie, yeah, because I think it worked so well with him. I mm -hmm. think that normally you and I, whenever something's too meta, I, I at least I get upset about everything, but I get really upset about movies mm -hmm. that are too meta and too in your face about being meta. This was not one of them because it was meta in all the right ways. Um, yeah. So let's talk about that a little bit more. Yeah. I mean, the, the core theme of, of Nicholas Cage's journey and therefore our journey as podcast movie critics uh, or movie podcast critics um, anyways, is, you know, money versus art. You know, what are movies supposed to be about? Um, does the actor take the movie to get paid? Does the movie get made to make money? Does, or does the actor take the role because it inspires them? And does the movie get made because it needs to get made? And then as viewers, do we watch it because everyone's watching it and we want to talk about it because everyone's talking about it? Or do we watch it because it makes us feel something or experience something we haven't experienced before? And does it transcend like, the screen itself in some way, whether it's inside ourselves or otherwise. Um, this movie tackles that. It's pretty deep, man. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I mean, we can delete that, by the way. You know, we could just delete that. So, no, I, I think it was great. I think that it's good for uh, our listeners to hear that sometimes, very rarely, we have good insight. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, I, I wholeheartedly agree. I mean, I think throughout this movie, Nick Cage as a character is 
showing us how painful it is to take bad roles and how he is struggling personally with money, with his family, with, you know, the lack of respect that he feels. And I think a lot of that came from a very real place, right? Um, You asked, you know, money versus art and why are movies made? And I do think for a lot of actors, it's feeling good about the performance they just gave. I think for others, it's just pay me as much as I can possibly make. I don't care if this bombs. Um, For the viewer, I mean, for me, it's all about feeling good. I want to laugh. I want to cry. I want to have some sort of emotional reaction. So make something that the fans will like. Mm Kind of like Paddington 2. (laughs) Probably, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, no, I, I hear you there. And what's interesting is that, you know, looking forward, right, we're, we are entering into this era of our culture where if if your primary goal is being rich and famous you can get exposure way more quickly and get paid way more quickly than through acting right so yes. like I, I think that you know for nick cage like he was he was and is a megastar um people go see him because of his name um and that puts a lot of pressure on him. But, you know, hopefully um, someone like Nicolas Cage, the character in this movie in the future, is kept out of film. And he just gets to make a YouTube channel where he, like, buys a house and makes his friends live in the house and then, like, <laughs> you know, shits on them while they sleep and then makes it a prank video. Like, other so people can do that. Well, uh, yeah, I mean, um, well, now that you say that, I mean, they, I guess they've been doing that for a while, huh? I'm um, Nicolas Cage and this is... The tea bag. Um, yeah. <laughs> too real. Uh, too real. No, I mean, I, look, I, I think when, when I watch a movie, um, yeah, I want to be transported. He transports you somewhere. He brings you to wherever the movie needs to be. In this case, he's, he and Pedro Pascal, who plays the, um, like the other main character, um, spoiler billionaire alert. Billionaire friend. Like, right. He's, you think, yeah. At first, he's this kind of, you know, impotent rich guy who loves Nick Cage and wants him to read his script. So he pays for him to come out there and like holds him captive. And then it seems like maybe he's a uh, an arms dealer um, and that makes him a little sinister. But turns out it's his cousin who's actually the arms dealer. And he's kind of like the the useful idiot. He's like he's the Shabbos. He's a nice dude. <laughs> yeah, he's like the Shabbos goy of like, you know, uh, well, that. Okay. For our listeners, and definitely not for me, um, define Shabbos Goy. A Shabbos Goy is um, uh, when it's Shabbat and observant Jews like don't they aren't able to like use their car or or like get in an elevator. A Shabbos Goy is somebody, a non-Jew who can help them with things during Shabbat. But look, I mean, this movie starts writing itself in real time almost. Yes. Um, you know, not only is Nick Cage the character going through what we would hope Nick Cage the actor goes through when he thinks about his body of work, but right. then there, the other thing that I think from a meta perspective is interesting is that um, these guys are you know doing drugs and partying, and one of them, Pedro Pascal, is very inexperienced, and the other, Nick Cage, is very cynical, and the two of them put no effort into their movie, right? right? They're writing a movie 
about their own experience together. And they're like, it should just be this. How many times, Louis, have you and I been talking? I mean, th- this whole podcast is exactly that. It's like, it's just us wow, riffing. We're so funny when we talk to each other. This should be the podcast. This should be the show. That's it. And like, so I'm watching this and I'm like, okay, I like both these characters. I hope they stumble onto something meaningful because otherwise, what am I doing? It was great because in my mind, um, we saw Nicolas Cage being very reflective, right, right, in the beginning. And again, like you said, we see him kind of going through the things that we imagine that he goes through, being kind of a, a loved and mocked actor simultaneously, right. Yeah. right? As soon as he gets to, I think it was Spain, where this yeah. all takes place, mm-hmm. that's where I feel like it's the writers talking to Nicolas Cage and just telling him, Hey, so yeah, you're going to get picked up by FBI, FBI agents and they're going to want you to spy. And he's like, Whoa, okay, well I could do that. Cause I'm actually an actor. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. And then you're going to coordinate with this other guy on the plan there. And so him and Pedro Pascal are bouncing off each other. Yeah. I almost looked at it as like, Hey, we're in the writer's room right now. Like they're writing this as they go. It's great. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I love that about it. And normally I don't. I know we shat on the Matrix, the new one, because of how meta it was trying to be. And it was doing it very poorly. Um, this I thought was great. The one thing that honestly, I felt a little bit stupid. But the one thing that kind of caught me was we're in this meta world where Nicolas Cage is Nicolas Cage. But Pedro right. Pascal, Pedro Pascal is not himself. It took me a second to be like, okay, Nicolas Cage is the only known commodity here. That's fine. Um, but the other thing I loved was Nick Cage, while he's kind of in a car going somewhere, he's like, never shit on yourself. And that's like one of his rules. And this whole movie was him shitting on himself, which was so fantastic. You know, I think maybe the reason why the meta aspect or the sort of reflective, uh, introspective elements of, of this movie I'm I'm just going to make a guess here that this was an acceptable amount of meta for you because at the end of the day, it still wasn't trying to say what we're doing is really important, right? Whereas the matrix, it's like, this is really important. We're trying to like open your eyes, like, you know, but it's inherently silly because they're people in trench coats, like kicking sunglasses off of each other's faces and like riding (laughs) motorcycles off of exploding buildings. It's silly. This movie was saying at the end of the day, they're just movies and there's a lot more that goes into it than you think. And we have a lot of fun making them and we're going to make something that you're going to have fun enjoying, but it's not saying this is important. And I, I think, you know, that's where I really like that level of awareness. Um, I like when people, I like when people take in any art form, right? I want people to take their work seriously, but not themselves seriously, right? Yes. You know, like, like any musician, right? Like if they're like, I won't talk to you, right? Like, oh, get out of my face. Like I need green M&Ms. Like go fuck yourself. (laughs) That's a horrible human being right there. Right. Whereas if like, if you express gratitude and joy with what you're doing and you're like, I'm just a regular person. And like, there are people that have way more important stuff to do than me. Um, like that makes me like them a lot more. I think this movie said that quite specifically in the plot line of, uh, you know, 
wow, this actor all of a sudden needs to like stop this drug trade or this gun trade and rescue a child. Right. Right. Like he's actually made to do something important. Exactly. Um, yeah. I mean, and it's in that that he finds meaning. Yeah. going back to the burning question is Nicolas Cage a good actor I after this movie don't care anymore because this showed that he's a good dude and that he gets it he's in on the joke he thinks it's funny too he knows people think he's crazy yeah and he's someone who if you saw him on the street and started being like the bees he might just go along with it he might and that's that's awesome like, yeah. that's the type of person you want to get a beer with. Um, yeah. Like, oh, I would definitely get I would want several beers with him. I, I imagine that drinking with him would be very similar to the scene where he and Pedro Pascal get hammered. And it's like not just a whole day of drinking mm-hmm. like they get shit housed, but then they keep getting shit housed. And then the yeah. next day they just are like, hey, let's take drugs together and we'll yep. get to that because that was great. Yeah. Um, but that's what I imagine a, a day with Nick Cage would be like. Um, and he, he also might be sober. Like he's that type of guy where I'm like, Hey, without Googling it, there is a 50, 50 chance. This guy is totally sober now. True. Cause he's he, that weird. He very much could be. He might yeah. be one of those energy guys who can party and like have a great time without touching alcohol or drugs. I've yeah. met those people. They blow my mind in like a yeah. good way. Yep. I am not one of them, but <laughs> I'd like to think uh, I could be one of them, but there's no evidence to prove that. No, no. So, but, uh, let's, let's talk about kind of, cause this movie was great. And I yeah. think there was a lot of parts that we loved. So mm-hmm. let's kind of do a rundown. You know, what, what did you like about it? Yeah. I just thought there were so many very good, very good, like quotes. Like I, I know we, we, like I love when you hear something and it's a brand new sentence or it's <laughs> delivered in a way that's like it. it I, I don't know. This movie was just so quotable. Um, you know, I know you mentioned like never shit on yourself. Right. Um, you know, I think about uh, the, the scene where he sees him a younger version of himself and he's talking to that person a lot or rather that person's talking to him and saying, you need to get back to being like a piece of shit movie star. Like, yeah, let's, let's get crazy. You're the most important person in the world, which is a dark side of his personality that he's trying to like reconcile and move on from. Um, and he like kisses himself. Right. Uh, and then he's <laughs> announcing to the whole room, like Nick cage smooch is good. Um, that was amazing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that was one of the best scenes because not only announces it, but like, screams it across yes. the bar yep and yep. everyone's and, just and, like what well and did he so the younger version of himself said that but he doesn't really exist so nobody really saw him was that what happened i i would i choose to believe that in some way shape or form he screamed it in the bar yeah nick no, cage smooch like, is good yeah like maybe he saw his old self doing it but it was really him doing it right because yeah. what's the difference? Um, yeah, a lot of quotes like that, just stuff that stands out. Any other like, like oh, yeah. uh, quick there, hits on the quotes? There was one, and I don't remember the context, but honestly, it doesn't matter because he just said, I'm done, like hot dogs on a grill, mm. as if we're supposed to understand that. Yeah, because hot dogs are already cooked. Therefore, right. they're done before they get on the grill. If you're a weirdo, you could eat them cold. 
Not that I, <laughs> not that I have ever done. That's actually one cold food. I, I'll eat any food cold if it's cooked. I don't think I could eat a cold hot dog. But, no, that'd be uh, gross. Yeah. When well, you know, when they're done, they're done. You just take them off when they've got the scorch marks on them. So what? Yeah. Uh, what other scenes or what else stood out? Another, another like highlight of the movie. Um, and this shouldn't have been good, but it was. They take LSD, um, and they go into they go into town, which um is a bad idea. Uh, they drive Very into town bad idea. and they like look at each other and they start cr- like, while they're driving into town, they look at each other and they just start like cracking up and they're so excited. And that, that moment of like, Oh shit. Like we have broken our brains and we're about to have a day is, uh, I mean the fact that the, the rest of the scene lived up to that where they would, they had all these moments of like, going into different genres of movies. Like they thought they were acting like they were in movies. Each one was like a bad scene, but it was just so low stakes and they were just messed up and seeing stuff like with the, like they'd be like running through the streets or like th- there'd be a car chase for no reason. Or like they would think they were getting watched or trying to like, <laughs> climb over a ledge, but there was just a way to walk around it. Like, oh, um, without saying scene. that I get it. Like I, they, they nailed it. Um, yeah. Yeah. The ledge scene was amazing because yep they made it a scene within a scene. I mean, yep. that was them making the movie where it wasn't a big ledge. They could have both just jumped over if they were in their right minds. Yeah. But like Nick Cage is up there trying to help Pedro Pascal get up and he's like, I'm not leaving you. You have to leave me. I can't do it. <laughs> They're like making the movie in the moment. And yeah, it's just, it gets actually kind of epic and we got into it and we we're like, Oh my God, he's got to make it. And then Nick Cage is like crying on the other end because he had to leave. <laughs> Pedro Pascal just like pops out of the bushes like, hey, I, I could walk around. It was fantastic. Well, yeah, I mean, like it, it was like they could have been playing like they were like it was like two kids pretending together. And yeah, that's like that's what kind of makes that whole thing special is like, you know, like that enabled them to just like put their bullshit of like, I need to make great art or whatever. And all those scenes were really lowbrow. Like all, yeah. all of their instincts to create interesting, like, you know, dialogue and moments when like they took the drugs and like they went, they lost their minds. What left was them as kids, which, you know, it, it's been argued that that's the whole point of all this stuff. Yep. Um, and they were just making like a bad Vietnam movie. Um, and that was amazing. Yeah. And I'm gonna throw it out there. I mean, I think that think back to when you were a little kid. And you were mm-hmm. playing outside and you had a stick, but it was a lightsaber or it was a sword sure. or it was whatever. I mean, it didn't take anything for you to see that as a lightsaber and right. for you to see the big tree that you were about to climb as like an at-at leg, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or for those of you out there who call it an ATAT leg, fine. Yeah. Um, but that's what it's all about, man. I mean, some of the stories I made up in my own mind, not even trying as a kid, are better than yeah. some movies I've seen. Probably. Can I, can I do that now? No. The magic's gone. Yeah. And, and meanwhile, they're making like Despicable Me 3 minions, right? And um, Which I'll see because it's going to be hilarious. Oh, it will? Okay. All they I, need to I, do is yell banana in like a vaguely Mexican accent? I don't even know. Uh, yeah. They Ooh, speak Spanish they? sometimes, but then like English and I, I don't know. Minions they kind of sound like brilliant. Jawas they do like i yeah those those are 
yeah, I think I've had better movie ideas um, <laughs> that, you know, could have been made, maybe not franchise material, but yeah, like the whole LSD scene, like a classic movie drug scene right up there with Leo taking the lewds in, um, in the Wolf of Wall Street, where it's like physical acting, it's everything. Um, oh, so yeah, yeah. That, that was like, that made it for me. Um, any other, any other strong scenes for you in the movie? So I love how Nicholas cage, and this is early on in the movie. They show his relationship with his daughter and his daughter, you know, isn't the biggest fan because she feels like he only does what he wants to do and she's disappointing him. But I love that Nicholas cage is just making his daughter watch all of his movies and like review them. And, trying to have like a very analytical conversation about his movies. I mean, I don't know what kind of person does that. Like I definitely don't make Kirsten listen to all these podcasts and then (laughs) analyze them and tell me why I'm amazing. Like what kind of a person would I be if I did that? Yeah, no, I I would hope that you wouldn't do that. Um, But if you did, but if you did, it would be okay because um, you should be proud of your work like Nicolas Cage. Well, that's what I've told her. And your wife or daughter would be too. I actually think he was also, you know, making her watch movies that he wasn't even in just movies that he got really excited about that were very niche or like, you know, like, and we've all been there. We're like, I am super guilty of being like, Colleen, let's watch this really weird movie. I've seen it. You haven't seen it. When I saw it, I was like 13 and like, you know, like, I don't know if this holds up or not. And she'd be like, that was terrible. And I'm like, <laughs> and then suddenly it's like, well, it was good. Why didn't you like it? Yeah. Um, but it was terrible. And so I think like um, I relate to it coming from a place of love, but also vanity um, and like being unable to recognize that your taste is um, potentially bad in some cases. Well, but not in our case, because we're trendsetters. I mean, correct. Yeah. Right. Um, we that's have a why podcast. That's why we um, <laughs> that's why we watch movies uh, that have come out like six to eight months ago. Exactly. Um, it's right in the pocket. We're like, no one cares about it, but we yeah. do. Yeah. So yeah. one last thought on that. I definitely don't make Kirsten listen to my my podcast and review them. No, However, you don't even need to. She just listens to it automatically out of the goodness of her own heart because she's a fan. Um, but, uh, I do the same thing as you said, where I will make her watch certain weird movies that I love and I'm very guilty of. And I, I think that Nick Cage and I are probably very alike in this way. I I envision Mm -hmm. him doing this when I know there's a funny part coming up. I'm just staring at Kirsten, Mm -hmm. like kind of waiting for her reaction. And she is very aware of it and hates it and she feels the pressure to react somehow. Mm. And, um, I, I, think i effectively ruined the experience for her by doing that (laughs) yeah uh so important lesson there i mean like i uh i remember like making my dad watch napoleon dynamite and i kept looking at him to like see if he was was like what do you want and i was like uh shit what do i want what really do i want out of this and uh that's why i like when i watch a movie i like i don't look at people because then it makes them feel pressure but then i just like perk up my other senses like my hearing so i can hear if their breathing changes and i'm i'm now realizing i'm nuts because i still need that validation of like someone else reacting the way i think they should well i also need that so we're a pair of nuts 
Yeah, just a couple of crazy people. Um, just a big old sack dangling I, in the wind. I mean, like the one of the best parts of all of this is like listening to the edit before it goes live and being like, ha ha, yeah, that was good. That was a good one. We did good. Yeah, it's um, very self-indulgent. That's yeah, and that's the great part about the podcast is if you put a good enough you know, package on it and you have a good microphone and you mix it and you, you put it on Instagram, no one can really tell if it's good or not because they're not going to listen. <laughs> so you know, whenever people are like, oh, you have a podcast? I'm like, yeah. And they're like, that's so cool. I'm like, it is cool. You should listen to it and tell me what you think. <laughs> and then mm, yeah, that's it. I love it because the only people who are still listening actually like it. So all we hear is just yeah, great feedback. Great feedback. Right. It's an echo chamber of love. Um, yeah. Meanwhile, and that's, that's all Nick Cage wanted. Right. Meanwhile, my parents have watched me or listened to maybe three episodes of the pot. They probably didn't even make it to three. Yeah, I um, <laughs> I've never I remember, I think my stepmom listened to an episode and the episode she picked. I was like, oh, no, I hope she doesn't listen to that one. Was it Magic uh, Mike? No, it was like. I don't know. There are a lot of, I would say most episodes I don't necessarily want like my parents to hear. Not that they're <laughs> bad or dirty. They're just like. A little out not, there. Yeah. A little out there. Like there's usually like two dick jokes too many. Um, but yeah, I mean, like I said, you know, as soon as this movie was over, like I was like, oh shit, this movie is the podcast. We are Nick Cage and Pedro Pascal. I don't yep. know which one is which. Um, and, uh, this was right on the money and you know that we liked a movie if we actually want to talk about it. Um, yeah, I think that, go. uh, to answer your question, I think that I'm Nick Cage because I am, yep, you are, yeah, I'm testier. I'm louder. I'm more unpredictable. Yep. Um, so we went on a, on a meta swing there. Yeah. Right. That was all intentional. We definitely planned to, indulge ourselves and talk about the podcast rather than yeah. do the podcast. But, uh, uh, would you know what quote it was though? Because probably not. <laughs> yeah. Like we, but that, that's kind of cool. Like, I don't even know what people think is funny. It's probably not what we think is funny. True. I mean, yeah, I do think as much as we could get more into the plot of this movie or more into, you know, like the merits of the theme or whatever, like all I can say to our listeners is just go watch this movie. Um, it's just really good and if you have a problem with it you like movies even less than i do yeah and it's rare that we actually say go watch this movie so right take that for what it's worth which is a lot right. um yeah but with that in mind i mean i think one of the things you and i started talking about immediately afterwards is this movie works so well but it very easily could have failed with a different yep. actor I yep. think that Nick Cage was the perfect choice. And mm -hmm. I think there are very few actors who could have done this in the same way because you need to be crazy, mm -hmm. right? You need to be someone who the public loves and maybe not hates, but makes fun of. Um, you need to be a good actor and you need to be someone who has a sense of humor and is self-aware. Nick Cage is the full package there, and there aren't too many others like that. I mean, who could you plug and replace in this movie? You take Nick Cage out, who yeah. can you put in, and this movie still works and is still great? Anyone come to mind for you? Just one. Mm. Shia LaBeouf. Shia LaBeouf. The only other actor I can think of that you could just plug right in, Melissa McCarthy. Nope. 
Fuck you. Oh, yeah. Fuck you. No, you dude, said, Twitter... did you say that to piss me off? Yeah, yeah I did. I hate, I'm so mad. God damn it. Uh, should we wrap the episode? No, she's worthless. <laughs> Just not funny. She's all right. No, she brings nothing to the table. All right, uh, fine. No, Let's wrap she the ate episode. It. She ate it on the way there. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> totally <laughs> redeemed yourself. <laughs> Thank God. Um, yeah, well, let's, well, listen, let's everybody. Wrap this thing. <laughs> thanks for listening to this marathon episode of We've Never Seen It. We watched the, I'm not going to say it, Louis, one more time for the people in the back. We watched The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent. Starring Nick Cage. As Nick Cage. And it's available. Uh, it's good enough that you should pay money to rent it. Um, and let us know what you thought. Uh, drop us a line. Follow us uh, at We've Never Seen It on Instagram. And uh, we'll we'll see you in a couple weeks or something. I don't know. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Hopefully uh, this episode didn't convince you to never listen again. Happy Labor Day. No, we'll release it sooner. All right, see you guys. <laughs>